What's up, George? What's going on in the House of Craze tonight? In the House of Craze tonight, we have Mr. John Holland. He's a writer, creator of comics. He's done a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk to him about it. Two Tons of Fury, Robot Sex. Oh, Alma. I mean, he's got a bunch, a bunch of stuff. So we're going to be talking to him uh, coming up. And then we're also going to be talking about location, location, location. Word. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. You're being tracked. You know oh. your location. Let's get it. <laughs> Show for independence all around, giving you a platform to spread your word all over town. Cast the craze is the place to promote to your fans with the dream of Medina and Sam the Crazy Man. Subscribe to our show and never miss an episode. It's time to get your man to listen to us on the go. Updated every week, we never miss a day. Join the squad, come on in. It's time to cast the craze. If you are an independent, cast the craze. Making moves on your own, cast the craze. On your grind in the streets, cast the craze. Join the movement, catch the craze! Yeah, George, we did it again. Come on now. Now you want to do it. Catch the craze. Welcome to Catch the Crazy Podcast. I'm your host with the most him, the crazy man, Vera, and I am with George, the dreamer, Medina. What's happening, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Catch the Craze. It is August 5th. It is the beginning of August, and uh, it's been hot. It's been hot out there, but we are in here cooking it up for you guys. We have another show, another yes. indie creator, and if you haven't done so yet, Please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, comment below, hit the bell so you know when we go live. Because we do go live mostly on Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. on a show called The Crazy Crew. Wait, The Morning, <laughs> the Crew, morning Crew. Crew. <laughs> it's been, what is this episode? How many? 22 yes. coming up? Mm-hmm. And I'm still getting it wrong. Yep. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming on. Please share it. Share it out with your friends. Let them know that we are out here doing Work. The craze. So, what's happening, Sam? How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. Today, I, you know, you know, every morning I get up, I feed the dogs, I go to the garage, I go to work out. So, um, and I'm, I have a, I have a dog. Um, he's Yorkie. That um, he has anxiety, a lot of anxiety, yeah. and so he has this ball. I call him. It's a Baba. It's his, his ball, and um, it's hollow. It's a really thick rubber that you can't chew. He can't, you know. Damage it or swallow any pieces. But he has to have it with him wherever he goes. So I threw it in the yard, but then something said, let me go into the yard. And I walked and I went out there and there were three hawks circling my yard in the air. And it was like, oh, hell no. So I had him and my chihuahua and my, um, what the hell is Bentley? I forgot what his breed is. Anyway, so I go out there and I grab them all. I rustle them up and I bring them to the garage. And I, like, and I was like, yo, dad, look. And they were circling for a half hour, bro. They knew that they saw some little, you know, morsels, tender middles. And they were just, and they, they're gorgeous. They were good. Their wingspan was like legit, but they kept circling. And then they would go around the neighborhood and then you see them come back to look. They were looking and they were flying like in, in like military freaking formation. Um, and they were looking for, for their meal. It was crazy. 
Yeah, nah, man. I live, uh, I live near the river, so I see a lot of eagles. But hawks are awesome, bro. Like, they're deadly, man. Deadly animals, dude. I, it, my, uh, my girlfriend's parents live in Illinois, and the hawks be coming down, swooping, grabbing, grab a rabbit, and go home. Like, you know hmm. what I mean? They don't care. They're yeah, there was this TikTok video where it was, um, it was a cat or a chihuahua on the deck. So underneath the awning, right? On the, underneath, the, you know, it's protected, right? right? The hawk came and gone. The animal's gone. It just swooped so fast that the, the owner didn't even know what to do. It would just happen so fast. So, I mean, those guys, I mean, I don't know how they dive bomb at like a billion miles an hour. It was like, uh, it's crazy, but I wasn't yeah. taking any chances. So I was like, you guys can't go outside for the next hour until they're, they're gone. Yeah, big birds. Big birds are no joke, bro. Big birds yes. are no joke. And what are those big old bugs that make Deadly. that sound at night? The cicadas? The cicadas? No, whatever. Not whatever, like whatever. They, whatever. They not at night. Huh? They flap their wings. They make that shh sound. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's anyway, all I, I don't know. They're don't like, know they're like at least there. two inches, you know, but like or three inches long, but like, they're pretty thick. So anyway, one was on his back in the yard. I thought he was dead, right? So, um, <laughs> My dog goes up to it and it got up real quick and it was on its back. It was playing dead because the birds, the robins, I guess they eat them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so he was She's playing possum. He's like, no, they're still there. They're still there. And then my dog came and he went and he dipped and he went into the trees and they went after it. I'm like, oh, oh damn. That's it. Are out there hunting. It was over for that one. Yeah, it's damn. Crazy, crazy oh, what you see out in the wilderness. And yet, and yet, if you go up, walk up in front of my house, I have, you know, the walkway. There's like a bush on the left and a bush on the right, but there's a net. I mean, a net, a spider's web that crosses the whole thing. It's this big, giant Spider-Man spider web. And the spiders just sit there, and they just collect, and they go out there and eat. All the bugs just fly right in, and they just go and eat. They're waiting. They don't even have to hustle. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's what it is out there. Good old Texas. Good old Texas. <laughs> Good old Texas. Nah, man, that, but the heat out here is crazy right now. I mean, I don't know what it'll be because we're recording in the past, but as of right now, even in New York, it's just been crazy. The weather has been crazy. Oh, it's been the hundreds. 100 degrees every day, muggy. It's been disgusting. It's been like one of the hottest summers, bro. One of the hottest summers. I and people so. are losing their minds. You yeah, know, and I mean, the, 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 the shootings are like out of control. Oh, Yesterday, yeah. a woman walked into... Um, um, Dallas airport pulled out a gun and started shooting in the air and she got taken down. I was like, people were just losing their minds. Yeah, it's out of control, bro. It's crazy. I mean, it's just out of out of control. It's those but... shots. It's those shots. It's like it's like that everyone's like a sleeper cell now. It's like, all right, activate this one. It's just regular citizens just walking into you're nowhere. Such, one morning they find a little Timmy, you oatmeal, it's time for school. Next year the mom comes up, walks outside, and just right with a beretta. <laughs> you watch nuts. too many. You watch too many movies. Too many <laughs> movies. Too many shows. Too many cartoons. You have a very vivid imagination. Speaking of vivid imaginations, what do we have on in the news today? In the news, we got a lot of stuff in the news. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Let's go to. Tops in the Bronx. Tops in the Bronx. In the Bronx. <laughs> yes. So in news, uh, let's What's see. going on? The fifth, I should be waiting for the, I should have already got the proofs for the Kickstarter and um, and should be waiting on the final packages to start shipping it out to everybody. And if it's the fifth, that means it's the first week of the landing page for issue three, um, which is um, going to launch September 20th. So we all know that there's a delay 
with um, Comics Wellspring because they're overwhelmed because of convention season. So they sent me an email and I posted it on the Kickstarter saying that uh, they're a little backed up. So um, I'm delayed by 10 days. I'm still Everyone still gets everything in August, but I wanted it earlier in August, but it looks like it's going to be later in August. So um, with that said, if you do sign up for the issue three Kickstarter and you sign up on the landing page and you DM me, um, confirming that you did and you pledge, you will get this 8x10 pinup of Duty's Monsters on Planet Cthulhu. And it's going to be crazy. So this is a secret project that's a bonus for the Kickstarter. Um, so there's a, there's like a double feature. There's issue three, then there's this special series that I'm doing for this for this campaign. So um, you'll get it as you sign up, hit me up, DM me. I'll send you the digital print. You back it, you'll get the physical print um, of Duty's Monsters. And um, so it's going to be fun. I'm excited about that. And um, yeah, and if you're going to be in the Dallas area in the month of August, in a couple of weeks, I will be at the Arlington Comic Fest on the 20th and 21st, and then at the Denton Comic Art Exposition on the 27th. And in October, I'll be at the Dallas Fan Festival from the 14th to the 16th, and then Caltown Comic Con from the 22nd and 23rd. And that should wrap up. I might have one more. I'm not sure yet, but that should wrap up my convention tour for this year. That's um, cool. So that's uh, that's what's going on so far. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough when we record shows in the past for the present and the future because we don't know exactly where everything is right now. Yes. Like for example, we're recording right now, but like this weekend, I'm going to Terrific Con. Terrific. So I don't know how Terrificon would have gone. So tune in. yeah, hopefully you tuned into yesterday's show, which is the live uh, morning show at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You would find out. Your time. Because you'll find out how everything went. But, um, but yeah, so hopefully everything went well. I mean, obviously, for those who, uh, who pledged to the campaign for the Adventures of Wonder Dog, you guys should be getting your stuff. Probably, a lot of you probably already have it. So uh, that's happening there. And... Uh, and what else is going on with the um oh I currently currently I am working on a few projects. Uh, I'm lettering a few books. Sammy's book, the uh there's nearly my toy number three. I'll be I'm lettering that. I'm also lettering um Torres. What's that? Mark Torres's book. Mark Torres's book, which is live on Kickstarter right now. So if yeah. you haven't done so yet, That's make right. sure you go check out designated issue number one, which is on Kickstarter right now. Yes. There's a book that I uh, I lettered for it's our like buddy. Decades in the naked. Yeah, man. That thing's been around <laughs> more, like 30. Like that thing's been around for a while. So <laughs> Mark's finally putting it out. Peter Palmiotti's doing the letters. I mean, at the letters, the inks on the book. I'm doing the letters. Uh, I can't remember who the artist was. He's got, I mean, the artist, you know, finished that book a while ago. So Peter went in there, did all the inks. And then he sent it over to me. So I'm doing all the letters. So make sure that you check out that book. Go to Kickstarter and hit, check out Designated. Designated. Check yes. that out um, while you sign up for uh, for Sam's yeah, book. I'm yeah. all, what happened? You also got other few other projects. Yeah, yeah I'm working with Sebastian Bonet from yeah. uh, the guys over at Nerds of the Round on his project. Nerds. And uh, yeah, I've been working with him on that. So yeah, so I'm, I'm busy, man. I's doing some stuff. I'm working on my own stuff. Anibal Arroyo's got a book. That I'm working on for him, Dark Form. So that's going to be coming out um, later on this year. So there, there's a few things. There are a few things that I'm staying busy with. Plus, obviously, the uh, the Adventures of Wonder Duck issue number right now five was the one that I did the uh, Kickstarter for. And so the artists are working on seven because they just sent over six. So hopefully by next year, 
I will have the, the rest of the story, the next four issues of the graphic novel that finishes off this story. Uh, for anyone who has a golden ticket in their packages when they receive them from the Kickstarter. So anybody who gets one of those golden tickets, come see me. I'll give you a free graphic novel at any show where I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm either exhibiting or whatever, and uh, I have the book. So check that out. But yeah, exciting stuff, man. The end of the year, dude, this year is flying, bro. It's already crazy. Yeah, it's already the, what, August? So it's, it's August. In a couple of weeks, I'll be a year here in Texas. Can you Damn, do that? that's crazy. Bro. I remember packing up the entire house, yeah, holding up the two bins to yeah. be shipped out here, getting in the car with John, driving cross country with all my dogs in the car. <laughs> Wait, that, that was that was in August. That was in August, bro. That was in August. Yeah. Damn, dude, that's crazy, right? A year already. Yes, it's nuts. Insane, insane. So yeah, so that's what's going I just on. Got my, I just got my Texas license. Oh, you did? Finally. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an official Texan now. That's it. it took that's a minute. It. I mean, you have to go on waiting list for waiting list for waiting list. It's like with your, your cowboy hat. Where's you had to get your license. You had to book in advance, three months in advance. You go to you know, and that's like it's crazy. Um, first you had to get your registration done, then you get your license done, and then uh, it's all set. Um, but yeah, I got it in the mail. Then they don't even get it at the DMV. You get it in the mail. Um, so, well, uh, yeah, official Texan. It's all done. Said, done deal out in the heat. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's, I think I'm feeling a little, little woozy. You think it's let's time for meds? It. Let's, let's get some meds. Yeah, let's get those meds. Where are your meds? It's time for your medicine. Location, location, location. What do you location, mean by that, Georgie? Location, location, yes. Where is the setting of your book, right? right? And how important is that setting? We had a we had a guest on the show uh, live, uh, I guess at this point, by the time this airs a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago. And um, he had his book called Rays. And we were talking about the setting of his book because he's very specific about where the book takes place. So yeah. His, you know, the book takes place in New York City, upstate New York, Peekskill, New York. And um, he was very specific about that setting. And I thought about that location. And I thought, you know, how important is visiting the locations? Not, not, just, not just determining, okay, this is going to take place in this place, but actually going there to see what it's like and to bring that authenticity to your book um, when you're doing these locations. And, you know, obviously we all have, we do comics and we have comic books. Do you prefer realistic locations, Sam, or do you prefer to make them up, or is it is it at you know per story? You decide that per story. How do you handle the settings of the locations in your books? Um, in order for me to go and visit Uranus, I'm going to need Elon Musk money. Um, but uh, <laughs> because I have a sci-fi book, um, um, I can make up anything on what the world is going to look like because no one's ever visited it. Within reason, though, yes. because there is because there is there is information on Uranus. It's got names. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know stuff. what kind. You know, yeah. obviously, your imagination is going to run wild. Yeah. There's, no, there's no cities. There's none of that stuff. Everything no is just going to be a first. You know, so whatever it is that I illustrate is going to be. But um, where Bobby and his dad live, they live in Colorado, right? So, you know, and I've been to Colorado right. at least fifty times. Um, so I think understanding the environment, you know, when I wrote Arg, um, Arg, the, the, um, the Dagnes, they came from Western Massachusetts, right? It's an affluent neighborhood. 
whatever, they're, they're, they're aristocrats. So it's, there was some research required. So I think if you can't go, there's always the great Google, right? <laughs> Google's like the Wizard of Oz, right? So if you yeah. can't actually go, do your research to understand what it is that the other setting, the environment, what, you know, what the town looks like, what the area looks like, you know, what, what are they known for as far as foods? If you want realism, if you're just going purely fantasy, um, then, you know, the world's your oyster. You can paint the picture that you want. But I think if you're going to um, refer to anything and there are people who live in these communities, they're going to be like, well, I don't, I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. I live here. I don't see that. Um, So you want to just be sensitive to that. Um, So I think, it all depends on what your your story, how real, how much detail is. We, how important is the location to the story? Yeah. Is it just because you need a backdrop, or is it because there's a fundamental, you know, piece of information that's required for this story? This is why it takes place here. Um, uh, so then, I, you should do your homework. Yeah, a lot of the stories that I've created, I've created the, the worlds like they don't exist. It, these are made up worlds. I, I do it almost like if, if you want to compare it to like the way DC does it versus the way Marvel does it, right? DC has got from city, metropolis, right? These are made made up cities, made up stories. Whereas Marvel, you know, Stan Lee and the boys, they were like, all right, you know what? It, we're we're going to ground these stories in New York City. We're going to make everything happen, whether it's New York City, you had the West Coast Avengers out in, in, in the West Coast, LA, whatever. So they 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 choose their, you know, well, for, more, for the most part, because some of those stories, obviously, they're in outer space, the Fantastic Four, and, you know, those cosmic, you know, uh, stories and things like that. They've made up some of their worlds as well. But that that's how I, I approach it, where I'm creating these worlds for most most of my stories. I do have a story that I wrote, and, you know, with uh, Jonathan Syfax, The Street Journal, which takes place in the South Bronx. So Jonathan grew up in the South Bronx, so he was very familiar with the, with the area. We went out there, we were shooting, you know, just images of the South Bronx so that you know, to make it, it, it almost becomes a character within the story, I think, your setting sometimes. When your setting is that real, it becomes a character. Like, what did the South Bronx look like in 1995? You know, what was it like? And so I think it really depends on the story. But I, I personally like to create my own worlds because then nobody can say, nah, that doesn't really happen there. That's not really what it, yeah, it does because I created it. You know, like, right. you can't do research on it. I, I made it up. I made right. it up. So it really depends. But I, I, I tend to lean towards the make-believe stuff, like, right. you know, like, the so like, it's funny. Cause like there's nailing on my toilet. There's a, there's several, there's, there's part fantasy and yeah. there's part truth to it. Right. So, you know, the settings in Colorado, but you know, the, the, uh, the secret government agency, you know, the end of the deserts uh, of Nevada, whatever, you know, so there's, there's things that go on um, yeah. that I have to understand, you know? So like, for instance, when you, when you talk about, um, Area 51, Project Blue Book, all these things. I have some of those elements in the book, right? So I have to research that stuff. And 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 how do they protect it? How why how did they keep it secret? All these other stuff, whatever. Um, you know, if you can't see them coming and going, then how do they maneuver? All those things. So then I then I can add the fantasy pace and, and, and add some elements to, to to the story. So I think it's just it, it all depends on how much you want in the story and how much relatability you want the audience to be able to have. Yeah? Like, for instance, the Bronx is a great example of, if you've never been to the Bronx, it'll give you an insight of what you've heard or if if you got if you captured, like, you know, I know you get like the Brooklyn, the, the, the George Washington Bridge was in, in there. I think there was like some scenes, the basketball courts, all that stuff, whatever, the, 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 um, 
the uh, the buildings. So if you've never been there, it gives you an insight to it. If you've been there, you're gonna be like, oh, I know that area. Oh, yo, but and that's and that's see, so what happens with that is you have to be real about it because right. people who live in the Bronx or are from the South Bronx will know. No, that's not what that looks like. That's I no, that doesn't belong there. That you know that street doesn't go like because they're from there. So that's where you have to be careful. Because it is cool as an outsider who maybe has never been to New York to see these streets and be like, oh, wow, that's what that looks like. But for a person who actually grew up in there, they can call you out on it. You know, yeah. They can say, no, that's not what that is. Yeah. So, you know, they, it, it's, it's almost like a double-edged sword. When, yeah. when it comes and I to think it. everything requires to do research. Like, for instance, like I, I wrote the script for uh, the Monster series, right? And I wrote the script out page and dialogue because I'm drawing it. So... Um, it gave me the flexibility to not just write out my panels. I just wanted to have the flexibility to, when I read the dialogue, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I'm on page eight right now. Initially page eight was the, you know, they just left school. They're going to be sitting on a park bench. I decided to change that because he's telling duty about this, this, um, this planet. And, um, instead I had it narrating and I'm going to have the ship that disappeared um, the you know the the, the men in the ship that disappeared and uh, they were in the cockpit and the events that so as he narrating what happened you're actually going to see it so now it required me it's like oh what does I got to know what an instead of a cockpit looks like and then I will add some fanciful stuff because it's an alien ship right so now I had to go on Google to so go what do cockpits look like <laughs> right because I decided to change it last minute right I didn't like the whole part the sitting on the bench um, setting um, so it required you to do some research. I think anything you do is going to require you to do some sort of research to um, whether you're the writer or the artist uh, to understand. And even if you like same thing, I mean, this can setting also plays a big part with the colorist, right? Understanding mood, tone, light, time of day, location, how do the, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a basketball court at night in the Bronx, you know, positioning the lights, how does it reflect all these things? So everything requires research. And, and if you don't understand those elements, um, it's not going to shine through as, you know, where people can actually relate to it. They're going to see that you wing, you you were winging it, right? So yeah. it all depends. Yeah, no, I, I think research, research, what, what the, the weird thing, and not the weird thing, but I guess the best thing about research is that it gives you more ideas to do yes. more things. Like, have you ever like researched something and be like, Oh, I didn't know about that. I can use I went that. left. Yeah. 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 I, I can actually use that. That's that's good. I can oh now I can explain this in my story based on that. Okay, cool. You know, well that's why I changed the, the angle in the cover for issue three because I, I picked up a book by Jason Brubaker um called uh Remind. And he he had these camera angles, you know, these angles um um that he used. And that's like, I didn't even consider that. It's like, I like that angle. So that was like, so I changed it. It was the same scene, but I just changed the direction of where your eye was going um, to capture a different look because I already illustrated it one way, but I had, I redid the whole thing again, because I like, I, I think that that captured more of the, the mood that I wanted. Um, so, I mean, things can change on the fly and it does outside influences can help make the story better. Um, and sometimes it just requires you to do a little more work. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, man. And then when you're doing, like, for example, when you when you have picked a location, let's say, for example, and like I give you an example of that of Ray's comics, uh, Sam Willis, and they decided to do, you know, Peekskill. Mm -hmm. So now that you know that you're going to Peekskill, you do a little research on Peekskill. You start finding things out that could 
open your story up to more things. Now, they're, they're, it's it's a horror comic. And if you do a little research on Peekskill, you'll know it's a pretty old city, old town. So you can find some stuff that, oh, wow, I can use that in the story because it does exist. It does happen. Um, I think that you can apply that too when you're doing, when you're creating your own worlds. Um, and, and it depends on your creativity. Like you can go wherever you go. Like a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the like places that I created, you know, they're based on, I thought of a word, okay. Fuhrer, right? Fury, Fuhrer. What would that plan look like? You know, what does Fury look like? When you think of Fury, what does it look like? And now you can get an idea as to what that world would look like. What it, can it look like? Chaos, you know, this, that whatever, just based on the words. So that's part of creating, man, and creating these locations and creating the settings for your book, that that can make a big difference in how much the person reading it yeah. becomes enthralled and they want to know more about what's going on in the world, aside from just the characters themselves, because characters are very important. Obviously, they're going to bring them in. But I like what you did with changing it from just a simple park bench, which might have worked. But you know the rule of of anything is show don't tell, right? right. So if you show, you rather show what's good, what what duty or whoever is narrating, rather than just having just sit there and talking heads right. telling you what's going on. Why not show me? It's a visual medium. Show me. Don't tell me. Show me. Yeah. So and it, was, it, was, it was crazy because I was I, I started thumbnailing and I was like, nah, I need I need to show it. And that was that, and I was like. Then I got annoyed at myself. I was like, damn, I got to draw this again, <laughs> right? But then I, it required me to go on and do some research because now I needed to understand cockpits and what they look like, fundamentals. Um, right. You know, how close are they to the to the monitors and how many dials are there and all this other stuff and what does it look like from the their perspective outside? All these things. Um, to so when I went and started drawing it, um, but I feel that I'm going to give a better story by taking the time to really understand from the reader's perspective. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what it is. It put yourself in the in the viewer's seat and say, um, and that's what happened. I was like, I need to, and this got to change. I got to change it. Um, See, I, I think the beauty of drawing an alien book or you know something like that is that, yeah, you can Google cockpits and stuff like that, but you can go off. Like you don't have to, it doesn't have to look like a real cockpit because nobody's no, ever no, seen it. I don't want cockpit. it to look like a real cockpit. I right. just want to know the fundamentals. Like so what are the dials, exactly. the basics so that you can be can translated? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can go outside of that. Like that that initial research or that initial Google search is just to see, okay, well, what would it look like? Oh, that, that looks cool. I can add that, but maybe change it up. And that's when your creativity kind of takes over and says, all right, nobody's really seen a cockpit and yeah functionality that's cool but like it's an alien ship who cares you know like i don't know i guess it, it, research don't get me wrong i i think research is very important but um I, I just don't and for anybody watching and obviously you don't do this but don't limit yourself by what you're seeing in that research because i have to keep especially if you're making it up you're making the world right. up obviously if you're drawing a 727 airplane and you have two pilots inside the cockpit you want to know what the cockpit of a 727 looks like you know what i mean what model year it came out and all that stuff so you want to know that you if you're drawing that yes absolutely you better that better look like it you know but if you're creating a ship like you're creating yeah it's like when I to the helicopter, I think, all right the basics of a helicopter what are the basics and then i just created my own model but i just needed the basic shape and outline it's like if this is going to be um, you know, so I think the things that <clears throat> that's going to help, 
you know, I think especially when you're doing a, when you're doing a, a sci-fi or fantasy, um, you know, the rules are endless. There are no rules. You get to play, but no. there's some basic fundamentals that should be able to translate. I mean, because we don't know. I mean, I mean, if you go back into what you know, if you think, if you listen to um, uh, what's his name? Um, damn, I just had his name on the top of my head. Um, Neil deGrasse, right? If you listen to him, right? Big sci-fi buff, right? And you, this is his conversation about, you know, the potential of extraterrestrials and flight and all this other stuff. We don't know how these objects are moving or what kind of technology or non-technology. We don't, we just, we, we don't seem right. to have that technology, but um, that's where you get to play. Your imagination gets to run wild. Well, maybe it ran on this, or maybe it did this, or maybe it does that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think just understanding the, the difference between, um, fantasy and reality and then how much do you need your setting in your story how much does it play um how important is it to the character and just into the scene i mean like sam and twitch i loved sam and twitch and spawn detective comics you know they're investigating crimes and you know and 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 you see in those panels what you see on csi you know what you see on law and order you know and it's like um, so you can relate to it, and, you, and the setting, the lighting, the mood, the di- you know, the the dialect, everything they you know j- just works. So um, someone could have come in and 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 just went total left with it, and you couldn't understand what they were trying to do. So I think even, like even with that, like Prime Fallen did his research. Yeah, so I think <clears throat> do your research, um, have fun with it, um, and then and at, at the end of the day, if you put your best foot forward. Everyone else is going to embrace it. Um, and remember, you're not going to please everybody. But no, uh, I, I mean, people, know, people will know if there's heart in the story. Yeah. But also, but also, like, it's they can't, if you're doing your research and your research on point, they, they can, they cannot like the story, but they can't dispute the fact that that's that whatever you wrote in there is fact. I, yeah. One of my favorite writers is Mitch Album, and he's got a book called The Stranger in the Lifeboat. And it's about this lifeboat out in, in the ocean, the middle of the ocean. And so, you know, he's never been stranded in the middle of the ocean, but he did research on what it would be like to be out there. What happens to the body if you drink salt water for a long period of time? That's the research, right? Like what happens to it? You dehydrate, you hallucinate, you go crazy because, you, you know, your body's, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. So he found that in the research. He threw that into the story. So now now you're like, you're, you're, you're like, holy cow, like that could happen? Like, so if this character drinks that water, now you now you're like, holy, what's gonna happen? Like, you know, so that's part of like why you do that research. And you can't you you can say, I don't like that story, that story's stupid, but you can't dispute the fact that this man did the research to know what happens to the human body when you drink salt water. You know, and you can Google it yourself and find out. But and, 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 and again, you're never gonna know what went on behind the scenes to create that to produce that story. But what you will take away is whether or not the story had you um, captivated. If the story, if you were intrigued, if you, if you were interested in the character, um, if you wanted to know more, uh, then you know that the person did their job. Yeah, and you know what? I enjoyed that book, and what, and it was I, I liked it a lot. But what I liked about the book more so than even that, because I'm, I love behind the scenes stuff. He basically, at the end of the book, gives thanks to the people who helped him create the book. And he gave thanks to his researchers, the people who helped him do the research to help him understand what happens, you know, the aquatics uh, of the story. Like he, the people who work on boats, you know, and all that other stuff. So he did give credit to those people. So you know that where the research came from. And I thought that was great because you don't normally see that. You don't normally, I mean, I mean, you know, as far as like at the end of books, like 
obviously in movies you'll see who they credit and you know right accounts you know, because he had to pay them right and he, i'm sure he paid these guys and i'm sure that's why he right. did it but but to know that 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 also happens for writers you know not i mean maybe i was naive to it but it was good it was cool to see it was very very cool to see yeah i mean i think it's it's always um it's just the right thing to do to acknowledge the fact that yeah. it took a village to produce, you know, the end product. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. so I think um, I think it, that that was that was get your meds segment, and it was uh, location, location, location. If you uh, like this topic, please let us know. Put it in the comments below. Um, and if you have anything you'd like to uh, chime in on, also put that in the comments below. So we're gonna run to commercial break, and when we come back, we're gonna bring our guest in, John Holland. And so uh, why should you subscribe to Cast the Craze? Let our previous guest tell you. It's Monty Moore. I am a 30-year comics veteran in comics, games, and movies. And you've been watching one of my absolute favorite podcasts, Catch the Craze. You are watching Catch the Craze. What am I listening to? And you're listening to Catch the Craze. Where are all the indies at? A Catch the Craze podcast. What are you watching? I'm watching Catch the Craze. What are you going to do? Subscribe now to Catch the Craze, the number one show online for independent. Have you subscribed to? You are an independent. Catch the Craze. Making moves on your own. Catch the Craze. On your grind in the streets. Catch the Craze. Join the movement. Catch the Craze. Welcome, John, to Catch the Craze. Thank y'all. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good, man. Good. I like the t-shirt. I like the t-shirt. I like the representation of the t-shirt there. Good stuff, man. Welcome, welcome to Catch the Craze, John. Happy to have you here, man. Where, where, where are you, uh, where you uh, streaming from? Uh, outside of New Orleans. Okay. Right nice. across the lake. So about 45 minutes away. All right. All right. How's the weather out there right now? Hot. <laughs> sure, yeah, we're man. talking about the weather earlier i was listening it's Oof. like it's miserable oh yeah, that looks like a writer's office yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does man it does i don't know if you caught the, the segment right before this we we're talking about like the locations and, yes i did yeah and where we write do you do you find that that's important settings or do you kind of like yeah i make it i make them up man like what's no what's a lot of a lot of my books take place in new orleans you know okay. uh, yeah so uh because new orleans is one of those cities that have you know supernatural voodoo yes. so much yes. happens in it that, that uh a lot of my my work i like to to set into the city yeah. So yeah, yeah location I think could be very important. Absolutely. I, I remember when we got, when I went to New Orleans with a bunch of buddies of mine, we took some like ghost tours. Oh yeah. And I, and I love doing that, like, especially in, especially in a place like New Orleans because there, there's an eeriness to it. I mean, it's beautiful and there's so much history. It's rich in history. Yeah. But there is so much like it's just very eerie. You know what I mean? It is so, eerie. It's yeah. great. It's great. Like so, if you like that kind of stuff, it's the perfect place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. and I've written uh, a couple stories with featuring Marie Laveau, you know, the voodoo priestess, mm -hmm. which was from New Orleans, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, just a lot of my, my newest book, uh, one of my newest books, Alma, is featured, yes. is set, set in New Orleans, you know, or right outside of New Orleans, but close enough. But, you know, yeah. and it's a horror book, which is going to feature perfect because, you know, with the supernatural and everything else that happens in New Orleans. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I was actually I was actually reading um, the first issue you sent us, Alma Champion. Is yeah. the name of the book you're talking about, and and I want to definitely get into it. But before we even get into your your work, John, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How did you get into this whole 
writing gig? Like, like, tell us a little bit about John growing up in New Orleans. Well, I'm actually not from New Orleans. I've been here though for like 40 years. So I consider myself from New Orleans now. Originally, I was born in Memphis. So, um, you know, my dad was in the Navy. So we moved around a bit, you know, when I was younger. Uh, But I've always loved to read. You know, I've I've been reading since, you know, I I can't recall never not reading. (laughs) So I've always been reading. And then, you know, that kind of turned into, you know, wanting to write, you know, and and I started writing, you know, probably when I was in high school and, you know, trying to, to, to write and, and, during the 80s and 90s, I actually had uh, worked with, you know, like some some of the indie publishers then, like Fanographics and Kitchen Sink and mm-hmm. Innovation and some of those publishers. And I, you know, did some work with through them for a while. And then probably around the end of the 90s, I kind of took a break. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot of writing or try to do. A, I probably did more writing on my own, but didn't really try to push it anywhere. And then decided to get back into uh comics and this time i decided to self-publish uh which seemed to be the way to go because you know it seems like the the comic book market is kind of it's a lot harder to get into i think than it was 20 years ago you know uh there's some publishers you can get into but i just figured it was easier to kind of self-publish and i've started that and i'm still doing you know i've got like a few books i've got a a girl and her dog is coming out next month from uh it's alive comics and then i've got a coming out in December from uh, Antarctica Press. So, you know, I'm still, I'm not above, I'm not above going with a publisher, you know. Yeah, right, one, yeah. they pay for the printing, which saves a lot of money. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. But, you know, I'm kind of trying to bring, you know, build up my brand too, you know. So I'm trying to, you know, create, dive. when I first started self-publishing, I really didn't create a, a an imprint. I was just self-publishing under my own name. Yeah. And after a while, I just kind of like, it just didn't feel like there was anything for people to, to connect to, you know, as far as an imprint. So I decided to, you know, create an imprint where I can kind of house it all together and people can kind of look at it. So yeah. uh, I created Eyebold about a year ago. Yeah. You, you know what it is too, with John, with that, with like creating the imprint, I found that when you're trying to say, for example, get into some of these comic book conventions, mm-hmm. they almost, they almost ask you for an imprint. Like they almost yeah, like it is. John, John Allen, George Medina, like that's not enough for them. It's like, okay, yeah. what else? Like, what is it? What is the company you're representing? In a sense? Yeah. And so you, you end up, you know, doing it, you end up doing, doing what you're doing, but I'm, I'm glad. Listen, I, I think that to your point, I think that the comic book industry is a little chaotic right now. You know, mm-hmm. Marvel's still trying to figure out, you know, all their deals over here, like what does Fox own? What does Sony own? What can we do here? And then DC is just all over the place. So getting in there and into that, you know, area is kind of tough, I guess. Yeah. So what's the option? Create your own stuff, right? Create your own stuff. When you were, when you started writing, John, did you, did you gravitate towards comics or did you start writing prose first? Was it prose your first love or, or was comics it comics? has always been my, I mean, kind of both, but, uh, you know, so when I first started, I tried to write prose and, but I've always kind of written comics too. And I just really never could break into prose. And mm-hmm. eventually I started, you know, selling some stuff to comics, you know, I sold a story to Fanographics and then I sold a story to, uh, uh, Bill Loeb's. He had, uh, published a comic called journey. Mm-hmm. And it was published through uh, Dave Sims um, company from Cerebus. And it was almost the same same month. I think both of them were. I had a short story in the back of Journey and then I had a story in uh, Critters from Fanographics. That's awesome. So, and then I kind of just kind of went on from there and started, you know, getting things printed and stuff. 
when you like for the young, you know, what you know, people who are watching who are trying to get into comics and mm -hmm. maybe are, are writers like yourself. Yeah. When you say you sold a story to Fanagraphics, I mean things have changed. Obviously, this was yeah. this was a few years ago. But tell us a little bit about the process of how you go about to sell a story, say to a publisher. Like, what's some of the things that maybe a, a young, you know, watcher of the show could say? Oh, wow, okay, that's how you do that. Like, how, how does that happen? Yeah, and I think even today it's still kind of the same way. As first, I had to find an artist, you know, because mm -hmm. publishers, you know, most of them don't hook you up with an artist and and you know and at that time i was selling like the first story i sold to fanographics was an anthology critters so you know they were getting stories you know from all these different writers and artists so they weren't going to hook anybody up so first i had to find the artist and back in those days it was a little different because th there was no internet yeah, you know? yeah right That's how old i am you know it was before, <laughs> before the internet so, but they had magazines and newspapers and there was a there was a newspaper called comics career or comics buyer's guide yes, came out weekly. yeah and they had a um a classified section in the back and yeah. you know you could advertise for everything in it and one of the sections in there was like creators you know meeting you know and uh i i always would put an ad in there looking for artists and i ran that oh, for wow. like probably a year you know and i was getting oh, yeah. you know you know all these people would put you know send me their uh their artwork and, you know, some of it you put to the side because it's not quite what you're looking for. But uh, I got some really good uh, responses from it. One of the responses I've got was actually from Sam Keith. Oh, did, wow. Yeah, Matt, Sam and I actually have worked on a few stories together. And this was back before, you know, he did anything. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the time that, you know, got me and it, it got me uh, Ron Wilbur, who was the artist on my series and Critters, which was called Lizards. He had, you know, res responded and we started working together. And actually the story that appeared in uh, Bill Loeb's journey was the short story with Sam. That was mm. a story Sam and I had worked together. So, you know, and, and that kind of went from there was, you know, we'd, I would write the scripts into the artist, you know, he, they would finish it and then we would send it into the, uh, the publisher. And during that whole time, probably really all of everything that I, I published, through any of the publishers was was work that I had, I had pretty much finished and sent into them. You know, right. was the only thing that wasn't was I did a story in a, for innovation for their Christmas issue of Quantum Leap based on the TV show. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I sent the script to them and then they found the artist. They had the artist and they they matched us up. So oh, cool. everything else was pretty much things that we found and still kind of the same way. You know, everything right. about self-publishing is artists I have to find, but right. it's changed where instead of magazines and newspapers where I had to find them in, now it's all on the internet. Yeah. And pretty much everything I found an artist from has been on Facebook. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, it's crazy how, how it's changed so much. Yeah. Like in, in a short period of time, I mean, I know you, we say before the, before the internet, but you're talking about what, maybe 20 years? Yeah, it's no, really like, not that old. It's yeah. not that, yeah, it's really not yeah. that old. It's, yeah. it's just, it's yeah. just ballooned to this to the point where like on your phone, you can find an artist right now. If I wanted an artist right now, oh, yeah. I go to Instagram and just start looking for some stuff and, and you know, we can oh, find yeah. one. And it's nice cause it's, it's made it so much more immediate. Cause you know, back in those days we had to go through mail. So, you know, right. artists would mail me something, I'd mail them back. You know, eventually we got on the phone, but still everything had to go back and forth right. through the mail. So, you know, it would take forever to get something done. Yeah. yeah now, yeah. you know, on Facebook, you know, They've got all those different groups, you know, writers looking for artists, artists looking for writers. And, yeah. you know, when I 
advertising those and I'd got all these responses and I'd, you know, started talking to them. And next thing, you know, we could be working on something within like, you know, a day or two almost. Yeah. No, you know, and he could be sending me an art back and I could be, you know, I mean, it, it works really quick, you know, because yeah. I've got a few artists that are really quick, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like, it's astounding. I'll send them a script and all of a sudden they'll start sending me pages before I even know it. I'm like, wow. Because <laughs> a lot of people in Sam, you, you, you've done, you do this also. A lot of it is digital now. You know, yeah. they just they just get right on the computer, right on right on the tablet. Yeah, yeah. You know, I so think almost every artist I work with, I think, is digital now, yeah. except yeah. one. There's one artist, and he's actually local. He's the one that uh, did the Two Tons of Fury. Mm -hmm. uh, he still does uh, on you know the old it's fashioned like on paper. Yeah. yeah, but almost yeah. every artist I think I work with is digital. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, I think one of the things um, I stream daily. Um, I do up for an hour, and the reason why I do it is because I want to get faster and faster and faster and faster. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think digital, that's what it, it has done. It allows you to speed up, you know, to, you know, your process. Um, so who, what were, who were your influences? Uh, from prose, uh, Harlan Ellison, who is a science fiction writer, you know, he hated the term science fiction writer. So he's more of kind of a fantasy, but he wrote a lot. He wrote mostly short stories back in the sixties and seventies and eighties. Uh, Isaac Asimov, who was another science fiction writer, Stan Lee, of course, you know, what I mean, you know, through Marvel, uh, Steve Gerber, who created Howard the Duck. Right. Uh, he was one of my favorite writers, you know, and and he's a, he's, I think, influenced me a lot more than I realized, because Steve Gerber always would include some kind of wacky or just kind of really different type of character in all of his work. And I find I do that a lot. You know, I'll put it <laughs> You know, like with Alma, with the the gnome. Yeah, the gnome. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. I always, I always don't. I, I never want to do things the normal way. Sometimes I always want to kind of throw something in. So, uh, and I think a lot of that goes back to Steve Gerber's influence. That's funny. Uh, yeah, and then you know, even like you know, Marv Wolfman, Lin Wynn, a lot of those guys in the you know the seventies and eighties. I was really a big Marvel fan at that time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even and nowadays, you know, like uh, Greg Rucka. Mm -hmm. uh you know some of those writers i've been uh really I, I like reading those greg rucka i love his world building when he creates a character or whatever man his world is just like you know you believe everything that's happening in it yeah. right right you know, and and that's that's i think that that's so hard to do sometimes oh you yeah know, like to be able to have somebody believe 100 percent without a doubt that that's what's happening in that world and that 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 takes incredible incredible talent yeah you for, for you to know kind of how much because with greg ruck i think because just reading some of his the the backstory he knows everything about his world you know i'll try to create a world and it's like all right i know this little bit but i just you know i, I keep trying to go well i should know more and more but it just doesn't always work that easy <laughs> you know what it is for me is like i want to get to it like i want to start writing yeah. you know what i mean like the world because the world building takes a long time and it takes yes. it, it you know but like i want to just get into the story and start writing it you know that kind of thing but you yeah. know it, it does it, it it definitely takes time when you write john when you write your comic book scripts are you i know you said you're a big marvel fan so is it the marvel method or is it dc method that you have no, it's, it's full script Full it's full script. scripts. Yeah, I write full scripts. I handwrite everything first, you know, because it's easier for me to make, you know, to change things. And, you know, because I'll be writing my scripts are almost impossible to read because I'll be writing it. And then I'll say, oh, wait a minute, this should have happened up here. And I'll scratch this out and draw an arrow and, you know, add this panel and yeah. all this, you know, and then I sit down and type it up. And then when I send it to the artist, you know, they've always, always, 
if they've got a different perspective or they think this panel should work, look different, you know, I always want their opinion on, sure. on it too. And cause you know, they're the ones drawing it. So sometimes their version of it looks a lot better than what I thought of, you know, you know, in my mind as it was going on. So, uh, yeah. so far I've, all the artists I've worked with have been really cool and really good to work with. I don't think I've had any, you know, horror stories of, you know, any bad artists or anything. Yeah, no, no, excellent. I was, I was be, before, you know, when you sent us your, your package, I was the one, the one story that I, that I started reading and I really liked was Alma, Alma champion. And uh, I know, I know Sam, you, you read, um, I read the girl, girl and her dog, the girl and her dog. Yeah. but let me ask you about Alma because I, I, I thought that was interesting, even how you came up with the concept for the story. So yeah. tell, tell the audience a little bit about how you came up with the concept of Alma. Actually, before you even say that, what is Alma about? And then tell us how you came up with that concept. Okay. My I'm, I'm really bad about making, you know, you always have the elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> elevator. I'm always terrible about the elevator pitch because I always think about the whole, what, everything that's going on in the book, but yeah, all my, I, I have the best elevator pitch. The best tagline was what if Buffy was a 72 year old grandmother, you know, when I'm at a convention and people are looking at the book. And when I, when I tell them, I said, you know, I'll usually ask, I said, do you know who Buffy is? Or you do, did you watch <laughs> Buffy? And a lot of people will say, no, I'm, I'm surprised, you know, more people, but they all know who she is. Right. You know, Buffy's become almost an iconic character now. Yeah. You know? And, you know, if they say they don't watch it, I'll say, well, you know who she is? And, oh, yeah, of course I know who she is. Right. And I'll say, this is what if Buffy was a 72-year-old grandmother. And more <laughs> people just don't go, I got to buy that. I got to see what that's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and so it basically started from Facebook again. You know, I spend too much time on Facebook, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but there was, and I don't remember what, it was one of the groups, you know, uh, some group on Facebook. And somebody made the comment was, you know, how in all the fantasy stories, you know, when the wizard gives the power to, to somebody to, to save the world and go get the ring or save the princess, mm -hmm. it's always to the young, strong, you know, person. Mm -hmm. And which makes sense. You know, that's the one you really want to. Well, yeah. somebody made the comment was, well, what if the if the uh, somebody's grandmother got the power? <laughs> and then the whole thread was basically joking about it. You know, they were like, you know, it was all this and that. But my mind read <laughs> that and it went in completely different. It was like, wait a minute, that's pretty cool. <laughs> right? What if, right? What if that yeah. happened? Okay. And it, and that's from there, I just kind of developed the idea for Alma and just, you know, and, and that's where it went, you know, so. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And even the name. So so I, I'm, I'm big on like names and reasons why we mm -hmm. name things and stuff like that. Why Alma? Why did you name Alma? That's my mom's name. Yeah. You know, when I was, when I was thinking this, you know, who was I going to name this book after? It didn't take me very long. I just thought, you know, I need to name it after my mom because my mom's like one of the strongest people I know. You know, it's like she's 85 years old Damn. and she was outside washing her mobile home a week ago. <laughs> wow. You know, wow. In this heat. You know, it's like and then she was complaining because she was having trouble getting up and down. I was like, well, of course, you were just outside, you know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, she's like, she doesn't let anything stop her, you know. That's so amazing. I was like, you know, if, if I'm going to name, if this character is, you know, going to be strong and like, you know, that type of character, I said, I'm naming it after my mom. That's and it's amazing. become, even the ghost is named after my dad, you know, because my dad passed away about 10 years ago. Oh, so, you God. know, when I, when I decided to, you know, to use her, you know, like the little bit in the beginning where, you know, mm -hmm. it's not really the ghost of her husband, but it looks like yeah. it. Yeah, well, yeah. He, act, he act the real ghost does come back in the next issue. 
Okay. So he's going to become a regular character, but, uh, but that is, you know, that's named after my dad. So there's a lot of little thing and the trailer that's in the, uh, where Alma lives. That's actually my home. (laughs) Talk about setting. Talk about setting. I took a picture of it and sent to the artist. I said, you know what, let's, you know, so Alma's got a lot of really personal touches in it for me. So, yeah. yeah. You know, they say, write what you know, sometimes, you know, and, 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 and then they become these, like so, and I know I, I was reading even you know before I got into comic, you were planning on doing this as a one shot, and all yes. of a sudden it just yeah. it, it took a life of its own. Like, what what made you decide to do it more than like what what happened at that when you're writing it? What happens? It you just say, you know what I just can't I, do it. I knew what the next story was going to be. I knew what the next three stories were going to be, and then you know so it's like, you know so I started thinking you know this this is going on you know I want to continue this this series because. I already knew what, because the next story introduced, you know, her husband is a ghost. The third story is going to introduce her niece. Mm-hmm. And then I actually had jumped ahead and I've already written the issue. I just picked a number. I sh- I wrote number issue 25 because, <laughs> because I, I, I wanted an issue where all those characters were already involved. I didn't want to mm-hmm. wait, but I'm actually, I haven't did, finished it. So I'm, it's going to end up getting closer to probably like issue four or five or six. Gotcha. But, uh, I just I wanted to introduce the Denise and the and the uh, husband and all that, but uh, it's become a real it's it's really you know I just keep thinking what I want to keep doing. So it's in the future, I've already got like three, four, five issues planned out. Yeah. So awesome. I, I originally want to do because it's easier to do you know one shots you know sometimes. So I want I was doing like you know I did a girl and her dog. Uh, I did another book called The Getaway Driver. Uh, Alma was going to be a one shot. I had another book called Robot Sex. That was going to be a one shot. Robot Sex has become a, a ongoing thing now too, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was, you know, and I've got a series that I've on issue seven. That will be issue seven. Uh, Lizards. And that was going to be kind of like my continuing mm-hmm. thing. But you know, I'm kind of getting more and more going on with all these different things too. So yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I think I think sometimes as a writer, the, the toughest part of all that is finding the artist, finding the artist to finish all your books. Or you know, yes. what I mean? Just, yeah, you know, that that that's part because you can write, you can keep writing, you can keep writing all of these stories. It's about yeah. finding that that. And I know you say you find them on on Facebook. Do you have different artists, obviously, for the different books, or yeah. Are, yeah. are you working with one artist? I've got a few different you? artists, and I've been lucky because I've worked with artists before that you know we. You know, we'd start something mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it never got finished because, you know, the artist just never could get finished with it. Things like right. that. Or, you know, sometimes I would slow down. You know, I don't always lay the blame on the artist. But, you yeah. know, the last couple artists, of, of, you know, for the for Alma, Hernan is like very fast. I mean, I get him work and he just, you know, gets it right back to me. And it's really good, too. You know, the artist on Robot Sex is another one that, you know, he, he can, you know, get to work to me and, and, you know, he seems to want to keep working. Both of them seem to want to keep working with me. So that's a good thing. And they're, they're, they're capable of getting the work out. You know, the only thing that really slows me down more than anything is just funding the books, you know, because I'm paying for everything. Uh, And I haven't started Kickstarter yet, but I'm actually, I'm actually going to kickstart the first issue of Alma. Okay. Uh, You know, that's kind of, hopefully we're going to do that in the next month to two months. We're getting, you know, I've got some variant covers done for it. You know, we're trying to get everything together because I've always been kind of afraid to do Kickstarter because I've always heard these stories that it's so hard to do. And, you know, and if you don't get everything, you don't get anything, you know, if yeah. you don't make your goal. Yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of, you know, I'm not going to reach for like an, 
real big goal. You know, I, I just basically want to pay for my printing and, you know, maybe yes. pay for some of the, you know, pay, help pay for the artists and some yeah. of that stuff because yeah. uh, that, that adds up pretty quick, you know, and especially the more books that I keep coming out with, you know, that keeps yeah. adding up really no, quick. No. <laughs> Listen, and Alma's not a short book. It's a 28 page book. Like yeah. you're getting yeah. story. You're getting a lot of story yeah. in, uh, in the books. So yeah. that's, it's not, that's know. one of the things I like about self publishing because, I can make this book any length I want, sure. you know, I used to shoot for 24 pages, you know, that's, that's, that's my minimum, you know, that I want to put in a book. But like when I was doing the getaway driver, I hit, I was getting close to page 24 and I was like, Oh, this isn't going to end. So then I had to real try to figure, think, oh, is this going to go into a second issue or do I can, end? it ended up being like 36 issue. I mean, 36 pages. Okay. And uh, I, I put all that into one issue. Now when I did robot sex it was going to be a one issue. And when I was getting to the end, I realized, no, this is going to go longer. But I thought, no, I'm not going to be able to wrap this up in about 10 or 12 pages. You know, right. so I said, I'm just going to do a whole nother second issue. And now I've got that issue written and he's drawing it. And it's going to actually be at least a third issue, if not, you know, three or four issues. So it's crazy how it just adds up. Yeah, it just keeps. <laughs> yeah. And just issue two kind of I got a lot of the ideas for issue two because I had a friend that just uh, passed away, an artist that I worked with. He had a heart attack and oh, you know, man. he actually was going to do a cover for me for uh, Alma variant. Mm -hmm. And we had just talked like, you know, a week before all this happened and we had been working on other things before. And uh, some of the stuff that, you know, we had talked about and some of the things that he liked, I've kind of took those and I put into the second issue of robot sex kind of as a, as a uh, memorial cool. to him as a, you know, just to, yeah. you know, kind of, cause I thought that was kind of cool. That's cool. Yeah. Oh. That is cool. And the, the the story of a girl and her dog um, uh, was that something from a personal experience or what was the uh, influence kind behind? Of, kind of both, you know, because I've had dogs all my life. This is the first time I haven't had a dog in a couple years, uh, mm. you know. And a couple about four years ago, my my uh, my dog died. And uh, just to show you, I'm a, I am a Buffy fan. My dog's name was Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! And then I just had a friend. Her dog had just recently passed. You know, I. Uh, mm had died and uh and it got me thinking you know dogs are you know really important to people mm -hmm. and, and i wanted to do something so uh i decided to write that story and it just kind of you know kind of grew i really i had the title before i had the story you know i had a girl and her dog and harlan ellison has a story that they based the movie on a boy and his dog mm -hmm. so you know i knew right there that I didn't want to make it anything like that, you know, because that was a science fiction, you know, futuristic story. Uh, one point I kind of thought about doing something like that. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, okay. so, and, and I just I wanted it to be just kind of a, a normal, you know, kind of what, you know, it is a little. I don't want to say horror and a little supernatural in it, you know, with the dog. Right. But, uh, you know, but it's still, I think, a life affirming story. You know, it, it talks about it shows, you know, what happens, you know, the relationship between, you know, the, the dog and the, uh, the its person. Um, and I actually sent that book. I sent a couple of books to Tony Isabella, who is the creator of Black Lightning. Mm -hmm. and, uh, he wrote a review of it and called it like he said it's one of the best comics of the year so far. Wow. Which, yeah, I was like blown away when he wrote when I when I seen it on his blog. First, I seen the cover and I was like, oh, do I want to read this? Or not? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you never know what the review is going to be. Uh, you know, so I was like, I kind of was a little scared to scroll down. But, you know, I couldn't have paid for a review like that. I mean, it was that's an amazing. awesome review. So, yeah, that's the good for you, man. Good for you. How long does it take you to crank out a story? <sighs> Two things. A girl and her dog. 
I finished in a day. Wow. Less than a day. I've got some books that take me four or five months to take out. So, yeah. you know, then I can't say, you know, I say a day and it's like, oh, wow, I'm quick. But then, you know, <laughs> I did a, 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 a four issues, uh, Aleb, which was actually the first book. Well, one of the first books that got me back into self-publishing. And that took forever. You know, it just mm. I would write a page or two, send it to the artist. He would draw it and then he'd get busy. And then I'd get busy and, you know, it just, it took us forever to get that book. You know, I didn't think, honestly, I almost didn't think that was ever going to get finished because it, it couldn't be a continuing story, but the first four issues tell a, a story arc. So it kind of ties it all together. But uh, right, right. so some things take me forever. I'm trying to get faster and not, you know, trying to send the complete script to an artist instead of doing it pages at a time, because right. when I do that, sometimes it, I can, t I get those breaks and I, you know, and I don't get back to it as quick as I like. You know, you know, I think what, what, and I have a buddy who does that too, sends a page at a time, like pages, a few pages at a time. Yeah, that's what, yeah. I, I think what happens with that though, I think is the from the artist's perspective, I think the artist, sometimes they'll get busy or they'll mm -hmm. forget how, not, not not that they forget how to draw the character, but they're, they're, the, you can tell that the flow has changed. Because, oh yeah, definitely. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's, there's like when there's a little break like that, you know, they don't have like the, the, the flow or like the characters are looking different from page to page. You're like, wait a minute. He doesn't know oh, yeah. that that's because he drew that that page like yeah. you know two weeks ago versus yeah. the page that he just did now. And yeah. I think it, they lose some of the I don't want to say the enthusiasm, but you know, like yeah. if I send him a couple pages and then I don't send him any pages for another three weeks, right. he's probably drawing somebody else's work in exactly. between because and he has to because you right. know he needs he needs to make that money. So Absolutely. and then you know I send him pages and he has to fit that into what he's now working on before. Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's not the ideal way to work, you know, especially yeah, for an yeah. artist. So, you know, I'm trying yeah. to get, you know, lately I've been trying to, you know, finish a, uh, the issue in one, you know, uh, and send the whole script to them. Right. 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 Which yeah. is working a lot better. And I find if I do that, those are the ones I can finish quicker too. If I sit, mm -hmm. you know, if I say, all right, I'm going to do this and finish it at one, you know, sitting right. or, uh, I actually changed the way I write. I bought like a little podium that like, mm -hmm. you know, people give speeches on yeah. and I write yeah. standing up because uh, oh, I used okay. to write like sitting down. But when I write standing up, you know, I'll write a page or two and then I kind of pace around. I'll walk around. I'll, come back. You know, yeah, I'll go back, get something to eat, you know, maybe walk over and I keep writing. You know, when I'm yeah. sitting, if I get that urge to get up and move or something, I don't come back and sit as quick. You know, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. I'll get up and then, I'll, oh, I'll go do this and go do that. Yeah. I may not make it back to finish that, you know, the next page or two. Yeah. I don't know why I find when I'm writing, I can, you know, and I can also like, if the day's not so hot, I'll bring the little podium out on my porch and I'll turn my radio up and I'll just stand out there and write, you know, that's cool, it's, it's, man. It's not, I never not, thought of that. Not, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause you're right. Once you get up, you feel like, all right, ah, I'm going to yeah. get up. <laughs> I'm going to go do something. And then you're over there doing something and you you know, you left your desk and now exactly. you're done. Yeah. You know? And you don't want to go back. You know, yeah, it's like, I don't want to go back and sit down. I want to go to finish this. So I'll finish yeah. that. But yeah. I don't know why yeah, if, yeah, I, yeah. if I'm, if I'm already standing up and just walking around, I'll go back to it easier, you know, yeah. and I'll write another page or two and, you know, and it's, it's worked so far because almost all the stuff I've written lately, I've been finishing up really pretty quick, you know? Oh, so, all right. All right. so that works. It's worked for you. Yeah. It's working. So absolutely. Keep yeah. doing it. Keep yeah. doing it. And so, it's weird. I got the idea for that. I'm sorry. From, no, from uh, seeing a picture of Stan Lee back when he worked, you know, when he was really writing Marvel, yeah, it was yeah. like the back of on in his backyard, and he had like a little desk that was standing up, and he had a typewriter on the desk, and he was standing up behind it typing on it. 
And I looked at that and I was like, you know what? I said, I wonder if that would work. <laughs> right. That's and awesome. It does. And it, yeah. it does work. It does work. But um, but so so John, we're getting we're getting close to the end here. But really quick, just tell us a little bit about your imprint and uh, what we can you know what what you're bringing out through your own okay. imprint. Uh, it's Die Bold Comics. Uh, it's you can find it at dieboldcomics.com. Uh, I started a little over a little over a year ago. I think it was like May of last year. I actually did the imprint, and I've got about twelve books out through it already. Now some of them are reprints of a few of the older stuff that I've did, but like I've got a history of voodoo. I've got Alma. I've got Ayla. Uh, I've got. Uh, uh, Die Bold, which is actually where I got the name from. That was a, a one issue. Uh, Death World was a, an adaptation of Harry Harrison's Death World novels. That was an older yeah. book that I reprinted. Uh, Lizards are, most of those are older stories that I had published through Fantagraphics, but I, issue five and six are newer stuff. And I was, I'm kind of continuing that. Um, you know, I've got a history of voodoo through uh, Die Bold, which is probably one of my best uh, selling books. Uh you know, uh, Getaway Driver. Snapshots is a collection of like short stories that I had that I had published back in the 90s through different uh, different publishers that were doing anthology titles and whatnot. And Marie Laveau is my free issue. Whenever I'm at a convention, it's only like a eight page comic. And I give that away usually when I'm at a convention. OK. Nice. Nice. So where can people find you on social media? Uh, DieBoldComics.com uh john holland on facebook uh i've got die bold comics on twitter which i really just got into twitter uh because <coughs> i really wasn't too big into just the last month i've gotten into that and actually have been doing pretty well uh instagram oh, i'm sorry uh instagram under die bold comics uh and i've actually got a facebook page coming for die bold comics too all right. Nice, nice. Do you have any events um, coming around the break this year? Any cons or anything? Yeah, I've uh, been doing some conventions. I had a convention uh, two weekends from now, but I, I've got to miss that because I've got eye surgery. I've got cataract in one eye, so I have to get oh. that taken care of. But in uh, September, I'll, I'll be in Memphis uh, for Memphis Comic Expo. And then in October, I will be in Lafayette, Louisiana for uh, Louisiana Comic Con. Uh, and that'll probably be it for this year because I work in retail. Yeah. After November, I'm done. You know, I, I can't yeah. get time off. <laughs> well, you're not. <laughs> not until after inventory. In yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, so, um, thank you. Know, you. Thank congratulations you on the release of the, the, the new titles coming out. Um, and uh, we wish you all this uh, success. And you're always welcome back on the show. Thank you all very much. I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, John, thank you so much, man. I mean, we can we can dive into so many more things. You have so many projects that we can act honestly do another show on everything that you're doing. So you're welcome back anytime, man. Thank cool. you so awesome. much. Cool. I'm just starting getting into podcasts, so I'm, I'm enjoying them. I think you're about the fourth or fifth I've done, so I haven't done a whole lot of them yet, but uh, yeah. they're, right. they're pretty cool, cool to do. <laughs> yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's talking shop, you know, just yeah, exactly. That's yeah. all it is. It's talking comics. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But, John, thank you so much, man. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. All right, man. All right. So that was John Holland. Um, and again, go over to dieboldcomics.com. The link is in the summary. Um, uh, so uh, you'll be able to find him there. He has a really large portfolio, yeah, body of work, a lot of good lot stuff of out there. Yeah. yeah. So check it out. Um, 
I really enjoyed a girl. I, I, I chose to pick, you know, I'm a big dog lover. So I chose to read that one first. That's um, cool. That's and cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and said, uh, I think, you know, it's funny because I was talking to my dog, Bentley, you know, he's, he's, he's like um, a Navy seal in my eyes. Right. So he's always guarding my six. Whenever we, we, we sleep, he's facing the door. Like his back is to me. He's always facing the door. When I go to the bathroom, he's at the door facing outside the bathroom. Wherever I go, he's facing the opposite direction. And that's because he's protecting. Right. And so I whispered in his ear and I was like, hey, look, whatever life, wherever we go, find me. I want to find you. You know, it's like you're my best friend. Um, I love that dog. You know, so that I gravitated to that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's cool, man. I, I yo, sad story. One of the guys. So I, I ended up I went to a shop and I was talking to one of the shop owners and he had he had to put his dog down. Um, and they said it happened quick, bro. Like his dog was jumping around. It was a pit bull lab mix, yeah. right? Jumping around. He was happy, chilling, blah, blah. One on a Friday. On a Saturday, felt sick. Didn't, wasn't himself. So they took it, you know, they called him the vet. He's like, oh, give him something, whatever. Didn't work. Took him to the, to the doctor. They were like his, his blood cells, like his blood cells were fighting each other. He had anemia all of a sudden. And it freaking killed him, bro. Yeah. It, you had to put him down. I was like, yo, he was devastated, dude. He was devastated. But we were, and we were talking about it. You know, he, his, his dog, the dog, and they all, you know, you know, you have plenty of dogs. They're personalities, right? Yeah. He wasn't the, he wasn't the most affectionate dog. Like one lick to the face and he's off, right? <laughs> um, you know what I mean? But when he was going through it, when the dog was going through his stuff, he just kept licking him. Almost like saying goodbye to him. Like, yeah. this is it. You know what I mean? And the other dogs, he has two other dogs. The other dogs, the what his his wife, he was telling me that his wife said they were making noises he had they had never heard before because they knew what was happening. It's like, and I was like, I, he's, I'm listening to this stuff, and I'm like, dogs and and just animals are incredible creatures, bro. They're just incredible. It's it's amazing how fast the 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 body structure will change when it's their time. Yeah. I've seen it with my cats. One day my cat is fine. The next day is like like a couple of days and they lost like so much weight. I'm like, how did you lose Ooh, so much weight in two days? What, what's going on? Crazy. It's crazy. We just put one of my cats down a few weeks ago because oh, um, yeah. because she lost weight in a, in one week significantly. It was like, I don't know if there's, there's like a clock that's within the animals that, that it just tells them that like it's, t- it's, 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 it's time to go, but it's painful. Yeah, no, it it's, is, painful. it's painful. Um, you know, it's like I get I get weary about it all the time. I have um my uh, D'Artagnan, he's a Papillon. You know, he's an older um dog, and uh, so I carry him everywhere because he has arthritis. So I carry him. He sometimes he gets annoyed and he wants to walk, but he walks really slow. So you know, it's like I do one step, he did like fifty, right? So he walks really slow, and he thinks he's running from me, right? So when I'm like, all right, come on, and he's like. But he's not moving, right? Yeah. And uh, but you know, I'm worried about him, you know. Yeah. So it's a, it's it's wow. never it's never easy. Um, but wow. you know what? They 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 provide you with the kind of you know unconditional love that you can't get from another human being. No, it's it is, you know, it's it really like is. This, 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 they they see this purity in you, you know, yeah. and and uh you know, that's why I get so angry when I see how people abuse animals. Oh, dude. Well, so part of the story with this dog was that when he, when he was like about eight months old, or maybe not even a year, he was the person who had him originally because he's a rescue. So the person who had him originally was a shop owner. He owned a, a garage, like a, like a body shop for cars, fixing cars. 
and he wanted to make the dog a, sh- a shop dog. So he would leave him outside in the freaking hot. It's crazy. You know what I mean? With water, the water's boiling. So the guy who owns this shop now, the guy that I was talking to, was like, dude, you got to bring the dog inside. Like, it's hot out there, bro. Like, the water's boiling. It's hot to the touch. Right. So he's like, oh, you you want the dog? Then take the dog. Like, I'll take it. So he took him, took him home. The next day, he comes back to the shop, and he goes, where's the dog? I was like, I, he's in my house. I took the dog. It's my dog now. Because the guy would kick him. He would hit him. Because he like, wanted to make him tough. And he's like, yo, don't ever, don't ever hit the dog in front of me again, bro. Don't ever do it. And that's when he said, oh, you want the dog? Then take it. Took him. And so I think that, and and you know this from rescuing dogs, that dog then looked at him as, yo, dude, yeah, you're my guy, bro. Like you're my hero. Yeah, you saved me. I got you. And 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 no matter what. And for a while, that dog hated men. So whenever a guy came home, like a friend of his would come over. He'd be like, because he just associated guys with yeah. the guy who would kick him. You know what I mean? And so he would say, "Now nah, give him a treat, you know, get to know him a little bit, and then he'll be fine. And he was, because he was a good dog. He was just, you know, in his mind, he's like, yo, I don't I don't trust this guy. You know what I mean? Who is this guy? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, no. So, uh, you know, I digress. Check out... <laughs> <laughs> check out John Holland's books. Um, that's I got. I got to check. I got to read that one. I got to read a girl and his dog and her dog. So definitely check it out. And uh, yeah. that was a good episode, man. Good episode. Really good episode. Yeah. And uh, if you like this episode, and if you haven't done so already, um, please hit that subscribe button. You know, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Pandora, iHeartRadio, you know, you know, leave us a comment, give us a rating, head over to YouTube, subscribe. To, it doesn't cost a thing. It's the one thing that is for free. And uh, you know. Yeah. It helps us keep this ship going forward. So, um, yeah. And if you want to be a guest on Cast of Grays, all you have to do is hit us up. The link's in the summary. Um, pick a date, and we'll go from there. Follow the instructions, and we're all good to go. That's it. With that said, you know, got a good day. Good, Get your meds topic. Um, I'm your host, Sam the Crazy Man Vera. George the Dream of Medina. And we are out. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was talking about my friend Aquis. I met him. Say my name. Say my name. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is what you were thinking? Oh, Catch the Craze. You're listening to Catch the Craze. You're listening to Catch the Craze. You're listening to Catch the Craze. You are listening to Catch the Craze. Uh, this is Craze. You're listening to Catch the Craze. <laughs>